This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. And he crossed the river Yavok, that river Yavok. So Yaakov had already done two things to prepare his family for his upcoming meeting with Esau. He davened to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he sent gifts to his older brother as well. He planned to split them up. That was what he was going to do as a preparation for war. And Rashi mentions that there were the three things he did, but we don't see that actually happening. Instead, we see this preparation. Yaakov tries to somehow get away or go closer by crossing Maver Yavok. And the question is, why did he cross this river? What did he mean to do? And what exactly happened? So what made him think it was a good good idea to cross the river at night? The Miamlui says from the Zohar that he saw a huge fire burning in the area that he was staying. So he wanted to cross the river so he would be on the other side and not be bothered by that fire. He was not sure if the fire was from Esav's camp or if it was a message from a Baruch that he shouldn't stay there, but he understood, I'm not supposed to be here, so he left. Yalkaruveni, number 46, says that he knew that the fire was a kateger, an accuser, so to speak. He wanted to get as far away from it as possible. This may have been the Malach that he later fought, the Malach that was there. But either way, this fire showed him he had to go, even though it was at night, he knew he had to go. What is the Yabok River? So Targum, Targumunculus and Rashi, both say that there was a river called Yabok that we seem to not have today, that we don't seem to have anymore. Ravari Kaplan says it was an eastern tributary of the Jordan River, about midway between the Kinneret and the Dead Sea. And maybe it exists in some way, shape, or form today, but we don't exactly see it. In Yauke Purushim Latora, it's said to be the border of Amon in the north, today called Wadi Zarka. And I, I couldn't find it on a map, so I'm not so sure. However, the Chizkuni says it may refer to the Jordan River itself. The Nachal Yabok is just another name for the Jordan River. That was the name, and its area was called Yabok in that area. The Rivash says the same, based on Yaakov's wording in Pasuk Yedalaf, where he says, I crossed the Jordan River. It sounds like he's crossing back over the Jordan River now. It was called the Yabok because that's where Yaakov fought the Malach, Vayeavek Ishimo. That's where the word Yabok comes from. The Aznayim Latorah says from the Medjur Rabbah that this river was the border that led into Eretz Yisrael, which makes sense that it was a Jordan River. Yaakov wanted to cross it before he met Esav to have this chus of Eretz Yisrael with him, which makes a lot of sense when he would fight Esav that he would have this chus of Eretz Yisrael along with him. But Yaakov Ruveni in number 47 says this was not a real river. Yaakov was upset that he had not yet received any word from HaKadosh Baruch what to do. He hadn't received it in a nevuah, in a dream, nothing. He wasn't sure what to do. So therefore he used the shame ayin bays. The 72-letter, what we call the 72-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to get an answer. The word Vayavor, as Mavar Yavok, stands for the name of Hashem. Because the word Vayavor actually has 72 and 216 in the same thing. So to understand that, let's, let's, let's go through this a little bit. The 72-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is really based on how we spell out Yud Kevavke. Yud is spelled out Yud, as in 20. Hey right, is hey yud, so that's 15. Vav is vav yud vav, so that's 22. And then hey is hey yud, that's 15. So 15 plus 15 plus 20, that's 30, plus 20 is 50, plus 22 is 72. 
But there's more to it than just that. In actuality, the Shem Ayin Beis that we refer to everywhere and that everybody talks about is really a 216-letter name, not a 72-letter name. It's 72 words that are three letters each. That's 216 letters altogether. 72 times 3 is altogether 216. It comes to 16 is from Aryeh Shoag Milo Yiro. Aryeh is a gematra of 216. Where do we learn them from? Well, we know them from the Psukim and Bishalach. It's there's three Psukim in a row in Parsha's Bishalach. It starts Vayisa, Vayavo, and Vayet. Each Pasuk has 72 letters exactly. 72 letters exactly. And from there, we end up learning this 216 letter, 72 letter name. What it is, is you take the first letter from the first Pasuk, the last letter from the second Pasuk, and the third letter from the first Pasuk. You put them together, and it comes out to 72 words of 216 letters, etc. And that's the way to figure it out. Vayavor, in that word, the letters ayin bays are there. That's ayin bays are the seventy-two words, and vayavor vav yud resh is two hundred and sixteen. So hinted in the word vayavor is two hundred sixteen and seventy-two. That's the reason why when we do slichos we say vayavor Hashem alpanav vayikra. Isn't that a weird thing to say that we scream it aloud? Vayavor Hashem alpanav vayikra. Vayavor is two sixteen and seventy-two to hint to this name, this shame of a kadosh baruch That's what it refers to. Moshe Rabbeinu said that when he said vayavor Hashem alpanav vayikra. That's the reason why we use it. This was something that Yaakovinu learned by the Sulam, the 72-letter name of Hashem, which really is the 72-word name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he saved it for this moment. This tefillah was able to reach the highest heavens, the highest Shemayim, and he used this in addition to the three names that we call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with, Havaya, Yudke Vavke, as well as Ad- Adnos, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, as well as Ehye, although we don't usually use that word, but Alephe Yudhe. Alephe Yudhe is 21. Yudke Vavke is 26, right? And Adnos, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, is 65. 65 plus 26 plus 21 is 112. That's the gematria of Yabok. The Nachal Yabok that he crossed was really crossing using the 216 letters of the 72-letter name of Akarish Baruch Hu, using the different forms of, of Ekiya as well as Yudke Vavke as well as Adnos altogether to refer to how Moshe Rabbeinu Davin to Hashem to receive a message, what should he do? The Maril says that each name stands for something different. For example, Aleph Yudhe is for the Olam HaMachshava. Yudke Vavke is for Olam HaEmes. And Aleph Dalin Nun Yud is for Olam HaSia, the world that we're in right now. Yaakov was trying to connect the three, the Mariel says, to bring it all down to his level so he would know what to do. Almost, so to speak, forcing a nevuah upon himself. And the hint is in Yaakov's name. Yaakov's name is made up of Ayin, which is for the Ayin Beis, and Yud Kuf Beis, 112, for those three names of Akarish Baruch And that's what he was answering, and that's what he was asking for. And Yabok also stands for Ya'anenu Biyom Korenu, Yud Beis Kuf, or Ya'anenu Biyom Korenu, which we say in Mizmor Kuf, which is when we have Tzaras, we're asking Akarish Baruch to answer him, to use those names of Akarish Baruch Now, that may have caused the Kitrug, an accusation in Shemayim, which caused the fight between him and the Malach. That's why we say this at certain times when we're having such problems, because even then, there are obviously issues forcing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand, so to speak. The Tzur Hamor says this as well. He says, Yaakovinu took his wives and children in front of him and davened for them. Vayavor, he passed them in front of him and davened for them, saying, Do it for these little children, children that never sinned. And even so, there's no question that this Pasuk still is a shot. There was a river that he crossed, but the idea behind the Pasuk is how he was davening to be able to get this down. And that's the idea behind it. Perhaps, according to this answer, we can answer why the Torah's Chaim Bamuna says Nachal, 
stands for Notzer Chesed La'alafim. Nachal Yavu Notzer Chesed La'alafim. Because Yaakov was asking for the Chesed of HaKadosh Baruch to be brought down to him by asking all these shavuos of HaKadosh Baruch to be used for him. And therefore, using the power, he goes on and goes on about the power of the Chashmonayim on Hanukkah because Nachal also stands for Neros Lahadlik Neros Hanukkah. And that's what it stands for as well. But he goes on about that and goes into why this Tarsha is connected to Hanukkah, etc. And Ayn Shum for a little bit more. But maybe that's the idea behind it. Now the Balaturim says the word Yiladav is used three times in Tanakh. One is over here, one is in Yeshaya Chav Teschav Gimel. It says Kibiroso Yiladav when he saw his children. And in Eov Lana Chesma Malaf, it says Yiladav El Yeshua So. It says, he says this hints to the Medrash that Yaakov lived to see 300,000 of his own descendants. Kibiroso is the gematria as Vlamid Ribaos. Referring to the 300,000 children that he saw. And that's a famous Balaturim that we mentioned at the end of Parsha Vayachi in the beginning of Shemos. Just like there, Yaakov had to daven for his children to be saved from Mitzrayim. So here, Yaakov had to daven that his children would be saved from the hands of Esau. The Yeshua would be needed by all of them. And that's the idea behind it. The Ibn Ezra points out that in the next Pasuk, it also says, Vayavi rain. So why does he say he crossed the river twice? It sounds like he crossed two rivers. He says the first time he crossed over on his own to see if it was a safe place to go. And again, this is according to it's a normal river. He wanted to go see, is the river shallow enough? Was his family be able to cross over. When he saw it was fine, then he crossed his family over. So the first one was only him, and the second one was everybody together. Ramban says something similar. First, Yaakov went to see how deep the water was. When he saw it was passable, then he brought his family with him, and that's that. Rashi says he made himself like a bridge standing in the middle of the river and carrying them from one side to the other, holding them from one side, bringing them to the other. The Amalei says that shows because Yaakov was extremely strong, like we saw by the rock earlier. Why didn't he use the bridge that everyone else used? The Chassam Sofer and Taurus Moshe says Yaakov was afraid that the bridge was made from taxes from the area, Right, that people would be stolen from when they were taking those taxes. Therefore, he never used a bridge that was made by somebody else when he could make it himself. Right, he wouldn't do something because he was afraid of using from Gezel. Maybe that's later on when he was in Shechem. He used his money to be able to make for them Gisharin. Right, he made Gisharin bridges for them and Merchatzos because he didn't trust the people out there. I don't know, but that's what the Chassam Sofer says over here. Now, the Oznayim Torah points out that it says, and the beginning of the Pasuk, it says, by Yakum Balayla, who it doesn't say Hahu that night, it says, by Yakum Balayla. Who? It should be Yahu, the extra hey, is to tell you that it's not referring to Yaakovino, it's referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure that he had enough strength to cross his family across the river with his flocks and all of his belongings. He also helped him fight the Malach, obviously, when he's left with the Pacham Ketanim afterward, right, and helped him appease Esav. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had been helping him the whole time, and that's why it says by Yaakov Hu to reference HaKadosh Baruch Hu, obviously, was with him the entire time. The Malbim says, alternatively, Right, aside from the way the Minister was saying, it's possible there were two Nahalim here. One overflowed when the first river overflowed, there was a second river to be able to take it. First Yaakov crossed that one and then he brought them to the next Nachal, which they had to cross afterwards. There were two Nahalim, and that's why it says Varavrin that he crossed them twice. And Itziv says he purposely brought the Shvatim over first and then the rest of their things, because he knew Lokalya Shifta. He wasn't worried that the Shvatim would be destroyed if they were left on their own in the side of the river without him there. So he hoped that their Schus would be able to protect their mothers as well, and that's why he brought the Shvatim over with them and left them over there. Dina did not have that promise. She was not promised Lokal Yeshifta, so he was worried about her and brought her only last, together with the other boxes. That may be why the Shvachos are downgraded here, says the Nitziv, and they're called Shvachos. Even though they were full wives of a Bar- of Yaakov Avinu, and they should have been, like we say, Barzel is Billa, Rachel, Zilpalea. They're supposed to be equal in a certain way, but they acted like servants 
helping Yaakovinu carry this stuff over the river because there were such anathem, such humble people. They were not worried about their honor whatsoever. And that's why we call them Shvachal Severe, as well as when Yaakov met Esav, they're called Shvachos. Not because Yaakov downgraded them or didn't think of them as full wives. He did. Bill and Zopa were. But nonetheless, they were willing to allow themselves to be hurt to save everyone else there. They went in front. So if Esav would kill anyone, it would be them and not anybody else there. That's why they were called Shvachos, because we were willing to give themselves in. As a side note, Aksaba Kabbalah says the wording was not an insult to Bill and Zopa calling them Shvachos. Although they were full wives, they didn't treat that way. They weren't they didn't treat themselves that way because of their great humility. That's how Ksaba Kabbalah says. They made themselves full maidservants and concubines, even though they technically had Ksuvas and were treated equally by Yaakovinu. That's why they crossed everyone over and that's why they did everything, etc. It's like Bas Sheva calling yourself a maidservant when talking to Dovin Melch when she's the queen in Perak Aleph and Malachim Aleph. Same idea. The Rashbam says that the reason why Yaakov did this was not to go toward Esav, but rather to go into a different direction to get away from Esav and to throw Esav off. He knew he wouldn't lose them completely, but it would give him extra time to prepare, and he was afraid that Esav might attack at night, and that's why he crossed over at night. Not because he saw fire, and not because of everything else, because there were rivers, and he was going toward Eretz but rather he was trying to get away from Esav himself. The Rashmi Bell says he's possible, and he understood this also from the word who, that is missing the extra hey, which indicates ha'alama. It's almost like he's hiding, as opposed to ata, which we use to HaKadosh Baruch, to say HaKadosh Baruch, you're right there in front of me, who indicates that Hashem is hidden from us. So could that's the idea behind it. He wanted to hide from Esav, and therefore he went in a different direction from where he thought Esav was coming from. But then the problem is that Esav did walk up to him the next day. It's not like he went around. It sounded like he was right there. It's possible that Esav had spies everywhere. He knew where Yaakov had gone, went around the stream to meet him there, knowing where Yaakovina was at the time. They may have shocked Yaakov, but it shouldn't have. This is a muscle that the Yates or Haras, as the Rashmi Bells, and how he traps a person. Everything you try to do in crossing the Nahal and trying to get away doesn't make a difference. Even when you do the proper achanos, the proper preparation, you try to get away from it, somehow the Yitzhar will find a way to trap you exactly when and where you didn't expect it. It's a beautiful vort from the Rashmi Bells. The Bali tells us to bring a medrash. The Yaakovinu took his staff, which had the Shema Mefurish etched on it, and he caused the river to split in half. You should know this staff is not just Stama's staff. We've all talked about this before. Adam Rishon had a staff and he gave it over to Noach, uh, to Chanoch. Chanoch gave it to Mr. Shalach, Mr. Shalach gave it to Noach, Noach gave it to Shame. Shame gave it to Avram Avinu when he was Malki Tzedek. Avram gave it to Yitzchak, Yitzchak gave it to Yaakov, Yaakov gave it to Yehuda, Lo Yasser Shevet Yehuda. Yehuda eventually gave it to Yosef, Yosef put it inside the treasury of Mitzrayim, Yisro took it out, he put it in the ground when he came to Midian. It was like the sword in the stone, nobody could take the staff out of the ground once it was stuck in the stone, except for Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu came, he pulled it out, and Yisro had promised that he would marry Tzipporah off to the person who was able to pull it out. Moshe Rabbeinu did it, and therefore he married it off, and that was the staff that Moshe Rabbeinu had that he brought down to Mitzrayim with these Shemos on it. This was the same staff that Yaakovinu had right now, and it caused the river to split in half. Right? This is the idea. It caused them over without them getting wet. And that's why Yaakov said earlier, keep a with my staff I crossed over this Jordan River on the way there and Pasukiralov. On the way there it split, on the way back it split as well. However, it only split for his wife and children to cross. When Yaakov went back for the Pacham Ketanim, he refused to split because he didn't have to go back for the Pacham Ketanim, so Yaakov had to wade through the river in order to go through. It wouldn't split that time. The Malay Omer says, this is a pole dimyoni, which means the Avos did something which would happen for his children later when they needed to cross the Jordan River in order to get into Eretz Yisrael. We know the concept of Maisa Avos Simulabanim. Everything the Avos did was a simon for their children to have it easier later on, like Avram Avinu walking through all of the land to make it easier for his children to conquer it. 
as Rashi says. Even if they didn't deserve it later, Yaakov Avinu's schus would be enough to allow it to happen later, and that's what happened. The Chizkuni says Yaakov's wives are mentioned. The reason why their wives wanted to be for the sons, because it does say, interestingly enough, it says, because he was worried about his children more than he was worried about them. We already said before, Lokal Yashifta. But if Esav was coming to kill and his wives would take the brunt of it, his children would be able to run away and survive. So it's unfortunate that he had to look at it that way. But if his point was to allow these children to live, then the wives had to be first just in case Esav was lying in wait and would do something. It's a sad, sad... We never have to worry about such things. When he left Lovin's house, he did the exact opposite. When he left Lovin's house, he had the children up front and the wives in the back. Because if Lovin was coming, he was coming from the back and therefore the wives were in the back for the exact same reason. If he came, they would hit the wives first. Miamloi says he took his wives first because his young children were scared to cross the river on their own. It was nighttime and it was a river. So the wives went first to show them there was nothing to be afraid of and that's why the wives came first. Delzanayim Latorah says Yaakov was worried about his wives having yichud with the servants that he had with him on the other side of the river. So he crossed his wives over first, then his children, and then brought over the servants and all the, the boxes, etc. The toughest, toughest bracha, Baruch Hapsin also brings that answer that such a thing would be a breach of Tznias. Rabbi Victor Miller says Pusik is not referring to how he brought them over. It's Yaakov enumerating all the kindnesses that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has done for him over the years. Tzedekim are unsatisfied by thinking a Kaddish Baruch Hu in general, right? They want to enumerate every kindness separately. They say two wives, two maidservants, 11 children, a Kaddish Baruch Hu, thank you so much for all the stuff you've given me. And that's why he's thinking them over and over, not necessarily in an order, but to understand everything that Hashem did for them. Rashi asks, why is Dina not mentioned in this Pusik? Where is Dina? Right? You think if it specifically mentions the Chad Asar Yolodav, 11 of his children, you think Dina would be included. He answers, she was placed in a box with a lock on top of it so Esav wouldn't see her and want her as a wife. What an unbelievable answer. Remember, Avram Inu did that with Sari Imenu when he went down to Mitzrayim. Yaakov was punished for this decision, withholding his daughter from Esav, because he had the ability to make Esav better and he didn't, and he could have done Shuvah and he didn't allow it to happen. That's why Ch- Dina later falls into the hands of Shechem and has a terrible experience. The Gorariya says, we can't attribute Onshim to the Avos Kedoshim, right, unless we see something specific. So where is the possibility that Yaakov did something wrong with Dina, that Dina deserved to have that happen to her with Shechem later on? It must be from here. It's got to be from this. And that's why the Torah points it out, that there was something missing, something happened over here. Rechaim Knievsky was asked, of course he was asked, why Yaakovina put her in a box the night before? Why not put her in a box the day afterward when they would meet Esav? Why did he put her in, you know, before they actually met Esav when he was in the box? So he answers, I think it's obvious, you know, that it could be that Esav was going to come that night, or it could be that the next morning they'd be so busy they would forget to put her, so he put her in a little bit early. <laughs> Can't be very comfortable, but I guess in theory they might have done that right then, and that was the easiest way. Okay, is Sif Sechamim asked how Rashi knew this? He gives an answer, the Chidaz, an answer, the Gra, the Chsam Sofer, they say an answer, the Gorari has an answer, the Teresionison has an answer. There's answers here. If you want to look them up, they all have great answers. The Sivzachamim asks another kasha from the Nachalas Yaakov. He says, why is Dina different from Leah? Leah didn't want to marry Esav either, right? And Leah cried and cried and cried, and she's praised because she didn't want to marry such a Russia. In fact, the fact that the Pesukim praised her showed that it was a good thing not to marry Esav. So wouldn't Yaakov be in the right, not in the wrong, to keep his daughter Dina away from such a Russia, Right? So I found 11 answers to this question, but you should know it's even a stronger question. Esav at the time was 97 years old. Dina's six. She's six. Wouldn't it make sense that you're a father, me, right? If I had a six-year-old, 
I would keep her away from my 97-year-old evil brother? W wouldn't you think that that would be the smart move in this case? Like, I, I don't even understand what the Havamina uh, would be the other way. So how could he be punished for this? So I have 11 answers. Number one, Nachos Yaakov answers that Leah was different. At the time, Esav was a Russia gummer. He was just marrying woman after woman. She would have had no chance to turn him around. There would have been no ability for it to. Now that he had mercy on Yaakov, you know, and he even kissed him, he may have had thoughts of tshuva. And at that time, it's a perfect time to have Dina marry him and to bring it up and have something turn him around. And he didn't do so. And therefore, he's punished. A second answer in the Nachos Yaakov, that Leah and Dina were different. Leah would not have been able to turn herself around. Leah didn't have that ability, but Dina did. Dina did have that ability. So in the future, we see that in the future because she turned around Eov. She turned around Eov. When she married Eov later on, that's what happened. So Yaakov should have realized that and allowed her to marry Esav. When he didn't do so, he was punished. After all, Leah was a Tzadikis Bas Russia. She might have been influenced by another Russia. But Dina was a Tzadikis Bas Tzadik. She wouldn't have been influenced by that. In fact, the Moshev Zakanim asks this even stronger. He says, how could Hashem have expected Yaakov to do this with a six-year-old, etc.? Like I mentioned earlier, that's the Moshev Zakanim. The answer is that Esav had already started to say the Elchel and I'll go with you. I'm willing to do tshuva. He would be willing to tshuva and walk together with Yaakov, but Yaakov rejected him. And Esav went in the other direction. That is when he should have agreed to give him Dino, right there at that moment, so she would have a positive influence at the time when he needed it the most. Very similar, but he says it a little bit different. It's not that Leah was this, Dino was that. It's that at this moment in time, like that first answer, the Nachos Yaakov, was a little bit different, right? It was the perfect time to give over Dina, and that's that. Rav Isaac Sher, Rav Yeshiva Salbakas, used to say that Esav was a Rosh Yeshiva. He was also a Russia. A Russia who still learned Torah had the ability to do tshuva. And Yaakov knew that. He should have realized that, and therefore he should have allowed Dina to marry him. Moscow Deva doesn't like these answers at all. He calls them nevuah. He says, how in the world are we supposed to know that Leah wasn't able to, but Dina was able to? How in the world do we know that Dina would have been able to influence? He was, she was six. He just doesn't understand. He said, perhaps Leah would have married Esav had he been asked had he asked her to do so and would have done her best to make him better. It's true. But of course, he should cry before and said that that doesn't happen, right? But maybe she would have. She cried so it wouldn't happen, but she didn't do anything to hide herself from him. It's not like she went away. She just never got asked, so it's not there. And that's why she's praised. She did what she was supposed to do. In the end, she was never asked. But Yaakov, however, didn't daven for this. He just hid her. That wasn't the right thing to do. To daven, to cry, to beg, to hope, that's what you should do. But to hide her, to do something, to get her away, that you didn't have to do. That you didn't have to do, and for that he's punished. Sabi Mikelvin gives a fourth answer. In Das Chachma of Musr, he says, of course he should have locked Dina away, so that Esav wouldn't see her. Of course, right? Of course, of course. But he should not have locked it so tightly. He shouldn't have pushed it down and locked it so tightly in front of Esav. That extra little oomph, of, I don't want Esau to marry my daughter, even though it was right that Esau shouldn't marry his daughter. That extra effort is what he was punished for. Dayelis Ashakar of Steinman says he heard that Yaakov didn't sigh when he locked the door. He should have been like, oh, he should have fetched. He should have said something. That's why he was punished. It's strange to give such an answer without any Midrashim backing it up, but that's what they say. Rechaim Kiyansky is a fifth answer. He answers by saying that Yaakov Avinu should have had bitachon and not placed her in a box. If you, she was supposed to marry Esau, let her do it. She would marry him. Turn him around. And if not, HaKadosh Baruch would make sure it wouldn't happen. You have bitachon. You have bitachon that this is the right thing, whatever it is. And that lack of bitachon is what he was punished for. Number six, another answer he gave is that Yaakov 
felt Esau should not have the ability to do tshuva because he didn't have a big enough schuss for that to happen. That's what Yaakov felt. He gives an example of this. You show me Avodazara, Bez Bez, where there was a barber who killed many Jews who became a ger, right? And he was known, right, that in his previous life he had done all these terrible things. The Chachamim daven for him to go off the derech so he wouldn't have the schuss in Shemaim like Nebuzaradan did. At when he became a gear after killing so many people. It seems like Yaakov wanted, wanted the same for Esau. He wanted to hurt him. And it was bad for him because this is his brother. That guy was not related to anybody, but this is his brother. He should have done something to help him out. Aznayim Latour gives another answer. Leah wasn't mechuyiv to save a relative from doing bad things. Yaakov was mechuyiv to save his brother from doing bad things. He should have helped. Ravadim Vartanura says Yaakov intended to do something bad here. He didn't want his brother to become a tzaddik because of the bracha that Yaakov that Yitzchak Avinu had given Esau have a gvir la'achacha. He was afraid that would be Mekuyim. He didn't want that bracha to be Mekuyim and he's punished for saying that. But this is a very strange answer. The Bartanura, you can't argue with a Rishon like the Bartanura, but to say that about Yaakov Avinu, maybe it's that Yaakov Avinu trusted that maybe Esau would be good but his children wouldn't be and if he got the bracha of the gvir la'achacha then it would apply to his children and that's why he said I can't, I can't let that happen. Maybe. I, it's, it's a very strange answer. Tom Vadas from Sturmbach he says that Dino was a Yatsunis. A Yatsunis. She used to go out. It could be that Yaakov expected her to speak to Esau and therefore was afraid he would influence her, right, in some way, shape, or form. But the truth is, that character trait of Yatsunis, of going out, was exactly why you should have trusted her not to be afraid. She was not the one to be influenced by others. In fact, she was the influence, the influencer. Not like influencers nowadays, like on TikTok and stuff. Like a real influencer. Yaakov should have trusted that she would say the right thing at the right time, and she wouldn't have been seduced by Esav, and it would have worked out better, even without Esav marrying her. He should have at least had a conversation with Dina. The Olaria suggests that Yaakov should have known that Dina was born with Kedusha and Tahara, which she was, and based on, you know, with, especially with Leah, trading Yosef for Dina at some point. He da- she davened for her to be switched she, so she wouldn't be embarrassed. Such a schus should have proven to Yaakovina. The Yaakovina had nothing to worry about. She was special. He could have trusted her and nothing would be and that's why he was punished. And Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says the best. He said, let's be honest. Who at the time was better for, for Dina to marry than Esav? Who's better than Esav? When Timna was not Zohar to marry Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, who'd she go to? She went to Esav. That's where she went to. Because the next best person after the Avos is Esav. He's the child of two Gidolan, Rivka and Yitzchak, the grandchild of Sarah and Avram Avinu, and a brother of Yaakov who learned Torah in his youth. And Yichus is not a small thing, says Yaakov Kamenetsky. Who better? Avram told Eliezer to go find a wife for, a wife for Yitzchak right from his family. Right? Family is great. Wouldn't Eliezer, be, wouldn't Esav be better than anyone else in the world for Dina to marry? Who else do you want Dina to marry? Do you want him to marry Eov? Eov, granted, was a great person, probably because of Dina, right? But Esav wouldn't be better than Eov? What's the choice here? Right? So that's the idea behind it. Even, especially, if Yaakov was considering a possible Yisachar's ruling relationship with Esav, who wouldn't be better than Dina? What is his money kosher, but he himself isn't? That sounds strange, and that's why Yaakov was punished for this, says Ryako Kamenetsky. Esav was the best choice at the time for Dina to marry. What an unbelievable thing. And we'll end with Ramosha Wolfson in Amunasi Techa, page 103. He says, something was still missing from the 12 Shvatim. Dina's husband, in the end, was supposed to bring that in, whether that's Shechem with his Shem Kvod Malchuso, that's what Shechem means, or Esav, to be able to bring back the David Amelech within the system. 
there was something for a form of chesed that was missing that was not there yet. Maybe Esav could have been the source of it by becoming the Zulim. But now that Yaakov had forget, forbidden him to be in the fold, that's why we need a Shechem to come in and take his place. Hidden within Shechem of that Shein Kavod Malchuso is the Neshama of Rabbi Hanania ben Tradian, the Rashi Tevis of the word, Rochavas Yadayim, right, which we'll see later on, later on in the Parsha, who is known for being a tremendous Baal Tzedakah, Rabbi Hanania ben Tradian. That was his schus to go into Olam Haba, according to the Gemara Nebuchadnezzar, I believe it's Yid Chesem and Aleph. Page 107 in Elon Yitzhak talks about this a little bit more, but that's the greatness. That's the idea that if a person doesn't want to bring in that extra aspect because he sees something is wrong, who knows what the best thing is. And a Kaddish Baruch who always has a plan to have that pitachon, to understand what Hashem wants, sometimes it just works out for the best. Have a good Shabbos, everyone.